Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Good morning! Yeah, yeah, yeah! It's time to wake up! It's five, and we're live. Oh, is this thing on? I don't care. I want him to hear. This is the pregame show, your early morning shot of sports on 95.7 The Game. Come on. Yes, sir. Good morning, family. I could have gone the full hour on that. I could have. 888 is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in. Stephen Lankford in with you up until 6 o'clock. And I have a simple question at 888-957-9570. The sun's going to sweep them. Is that it? After what happened last night, after the Bucks ended up losing in Game 2, 118-108, to 108, in a game where... Giannis Antetokounmpo scored 42 points, had 12 rebounds, a double-double. Wasn't terrible from the free throw line. He was 11 of 18, still pretty bad. Was 1 of 5 from 3, but scored 42 points on 22 shots. And they still couldn't get anything done. So I want to know from you at 888-957-9570 if you think that it's just going to be a straight-up sweep. And we will talk about the Suns and the Bucks starting out the show. And then uh, coming up... Want to play some of the sound from the UFC 264 presser as Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier are facing off for a third matchup. And the reason why I wanted to play some of this sound is because, well, Conor McGregor is one of the premier trash talkers in the game. And um, he, at this point in his career... I don't know if he's going to be as cocky as he was in this press conference ever again. So really, I'm playing it because this could be the last time that we see the cocky type of Conor McGregor uh, going forward. So I want to play some of that for you. If you've never heard any of his press conference sound before, the dude knows how to sell a fight. Then we got 545 Langford's Long Balls. It's going to be a fun show today. But last night, it... There were a couple of things that went through my head as I'm driving in here this morning and I'm just, you know, thinking about that game from last night because what I took away from it was Giannis was doing all the work and none of his other teammates could do anything. None of his other teammates could do anything. Chris Middleton, he wasn't knocking down any shots. Drew Holiday, I mean, he'd scored 17 points, but he did it on 21 shots while the Phoenix Suns, 
their starting five, they all were in the double digits, and they were all doing it efficiently. And they ended up knocking down 20 three-pointers, 20 of their 40. And there have been... Oh, excuse me, I totally lost where I was at. There have been only... Uh, oh, man, where'd it go? <laughs> Of course, this has to happen. Uh, whatever I'm doing this in a, uh, this doing a, doing a live show. Oh my gosh! All right, whatever. We'll come back to it. But nevertheless, when they knock down 23 pointers, and they don't get the win in the last game with the Bucks, as they had the free, or the three point disparity where they beat them 16 three pointers to 11. I mean, at this point, what are we even doing here? There's only four teams that have come down from 0-2. The 2016 Cavs, unfortunately. The 2006 Heat, the 1977 Blazers, and the 1969 Celtics. But the thing that I was thinking about on the way in was just, why did these guys have to get hurt on the Brooklyn Nets? Why did that have to happen? Now, it was happening throughout the playoffs, and the Suns have gotten through to the final because uh, some of the stars that they were playing, well, they went down. And they were playing against hurt teams. But nevertheless, they still made the finals. But I'm just saying, this team, I thought they were going to match up well. I, I really did. I thought the Bucks and the Suns was uh, going to be a fun little matchup. And then Giannis, you know, coming back in Game 1, I felt like it was going to be a good one. But in the end, it just doesn't seem like they're even a matchup right now. And now I got the stat for you. Teams to make 20-plus threes in a finals game, the 2017 Cavs? the 2019 Warriors, and the 2021 Suns. That's it. So when a team is playing like that, injured, again, leaving them open at the three-point line, trying to guard the paint, going into drop coverage, Budenholzer, I don't know what he's doing out there. I'm no basketball coach, but this man has not made the correct adjustments. But I just wish the Nets were a part of this as opposed to the Bucks. Now, granted... That's just assume. That's just under the assumption that if the Nets were remaining healthy, that they would have gotten past the Hawks and they would have made it to the NBA Finals. That way, it would have been competitive. And, and you know what? I will say it was a physical game last night. It was. You know, you're, you're seeing guys try and get to the rack. Giannis, you know, barreling his way through players, um, accidentally hurting one of these dudes who ended up coming in with the uh, who ended up coming up with a knee contusion in Tory Craig, but. I was entertained in the first half, and this is reminding me a lot of the 76ers versus the Hawks, where the Sixers would come out firing, Joel Embiid would be terrific in the first half, but in the second half, they'd just be too tired because the other these the other team, the opposing team, has depth and has more players where they could where they could do something. I mean, look at it. Devin Booker last night was an absolute stud. A stud. 31 points on the night. He was 7 of 12 from 3. 25 shots overall. He knocked down 12 of them, and 7 of them were threes. And he was a stud. He was great. Knocking down big-time shots. Clutch shots in moments when they needed it. But it's guys like Mikhail Bridges when you're getting 27 points on 15 shots. 8 of 8 from the line. 
And he's also got seven rebounds on the night. Jay Crowder, Jay Crowder was terrible in game one. He gave you 11 points. DeAndre Ayton didn't play as well as he did in game one, but it's hard to match a 22 and 19 game because guys like Bill Russell and Wilt Chamberlain were getting those numbers in a finals matchup. Uh, so you're not going to exactly see a repeat of that in game two, but DeAndre Ayton wasn't as hot, but it just feels like they could do it with any of these other guys. And then, of course, Chris Paul. Chris Paul with 23 points. He's going to get his. It, it's just. It just doesn't seem like this matchup is even close anymore. And, and that game last night, there was there was a moment. There was a moment when the Bucks were going on a little run, and you know they were down by seven. But then Pat Connaughton decided to turn it over, and they had another chance to get it back because Chris Paul ended up missing a three. But then Connaughton gets an open look, and instead of passing it from the left wing over to the left corner where P.J. Tucker was wide open. He decided to take the shot and ended up missing it. Then the Suns go back and score on the other end, and then they just take over after that. Then by that time, the game was lost. So it just feels like now the series, it's just at a standstill. And again, there's only been three other teams, four other teams, excuse me, that have come back from down 0-2 in the finals. And also... I don't know what Budenholzer was thinking, the Bucks head coach, as far as free throws. Because that was the issue in, last, in the last game. Whichever way you want to slice it. Because they were down or, or they were, you know, matching up uh, in the first half, going tit for tat, shot for shot. Giannis was showing a lot of strength. But then in the second half, you started to see the free throws come into play. And last night, 18 of the 23 free throws that were taken by the Bucks was taken by Giannis Antetokounmpo. And it seems like Budenholzer said, look, guys, Giannis can get to the hoop, but anyone else other than that, if you're not going to knock down any of your free throws, don't even try. Because they shot 56% from the line in Game 1. And in Game 2, it wasn't as bad, but there weren't that many attempts. And Budenholzer spoke to this after the game, and he was talking about just the disparity in free throws in this one. It's a huge part of the game. You know, they have 25 points from the free throw line. You know, we're a team that prides ourselves in defending and, and um, being able to, to be good defensively without fouling. Um, I can't remember the last time a team got 25 free throws in a game against the Bucs. Um, and then conversely, you know, the way Giannis attacks, the way Chris attacks, uh, as many opportunities as Chris has with the ball. Yeah, no, it's, it's frustrating. And that was after game one. <laughs> and that was after game one. And they took 23 in total. Giannis taking 18 of them. None of the other guys are deciding to get to the line. <laughs> and the Suns only went to the line 14 times in this one just because they had a ton of open looks and there really weren't that many opportunities to get to the line in the first place. So this series has just turned into a mess. And by the way, Drew Holiday... Drew Holiday, we know what he can give you on defense. We do. And the big transition from this season compared to last season for the Bucks was bringing in Drew Holiday as opposed to Eric Bledsoe as your starter. And shout out to StatMuse as they had this one. They posted this last night, and I read it this morning, and I'm just like, oh my goodness. But Eric Bledsoe, his playoff shooting splits with the Bucks last year. 41% from the field, 25% from three, 73% from the free throw line. Drew Holiday's playoff shooting splits with the Bucks, 
41% from the field, 28% from three, or 29% from three if you want to round up. So, okay, 4% better, but still not shooting 30% from three. Then 67% from the free throw line. And they traded a ton in order to bring Drew Holiday to play alongside Giannis Antetokounmpo. And this is who they decided was going to get them over the top. So some moves are going to be made after this year. I don't know how much longer Budenholzer is going to be with the Bucks, But Bledsoe has averaged more points, steals, and blocks per 36 minutes in his Bucks playoff career than Drew Holiday. So that trade is proving to be... I'm not going to necessarily say it was a bad trade because it made sense at the time. You know, you're not going to want to go into next season just thinking, yeah, Eric Bledsoe is going to be better a better option than Drew Holiday. But now that you're here, now that you're in the finals and you're seeing it come to this point where they're having relatively the same numbers and you wanted to make that one trade that would improve your team that much more, it's disappointing. It, it really is to see that. And, you know... I can't believe it. I can't believe there was a fan who ended up getting into a fight against some Nuggets fans, and rightfully so. I mean, those dudes tried to sucker punch him, and still he took both of them on, and then at the end he yells, Sons in four. Sons in four. Video goes viral. Dude turns into a celebrity for the summer of 2021, and now... It looks like the Suns are actually going to win in four. This man is going to make some bank if the Suns end up sweeping the Bucks. If they do. There is no one on the planet who is rooting for the Suns to sweep the Bucks more than Suns in four guy. Because he knows that he's going to be the face of that. I would not be surprised if the Suns do win. And you know, even if they don't sweep, this is probably going to happen. But if the Suns do sweep them and they beat them in four... That dude is going to be on the float, on the parade. He's going to be holding up the four the entire time. I could see it happening already. And, you know, look, the game's going to go back in Milwaukee. They get a couple of days off. The next game's not till Sunday. So, you know, they got some time to try and make some adjustments and do all those different things. But last night, it was just a disappointing game. It really was in game two. All right, 888-957-9570. That is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in on anything today. But coming up, want to get to the press conference sound for UFC 264 because Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier are going to go at it for a third time. And this might be the last press conference for Conor McGregor, whereas he is as cocky as he is. And here's the thing. Giannis Antetokounmpo... He has that irrational confidence. Doesn't matter if he airballs a three. He will happily go out, chuck another one. Doesn't matter what his free throw percentage is. He was one for five. You want to talk about another guy with some irrational confidence right now? It's Conor McGregor. And wait till you hear what he had to say next. That's that. Uh, that's coming up. Triple A nine five seven nine five seven zero. Stephen Lightford did on the pregame show ninety five seven. The game. Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. I don't typically talk about UFC on this show because really, you know, not a ton of people care, right? 
But I feel like with the fight we got coming up with Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor, they're going to be fighting for a third time at UFC 64. It starts tomorrow night. And no, I'm not getting paid to talk about this. I know I'm going to get a text at AAA 957-9570. Steven, you paid to do this? That's what happened last weekend when I was just going through Joey Chestnut's world records. But the reason that I want to do this is because, look, Conor McGregor has been one of the most historically, I mean, just insane athletes that we've seen. A guy who has, you know, been around for such a long time and made his way to being that dude, right? And I feel like the press conferences that he's had to sell the fights, they have been legendary. Legendary. And when he was in his prime, when he was just knocking everybody out, he was so good at selling these fights. And I feel like if you haven't really heard him before, go back and watch his best press conference moments. But they had one last night, and it's going to be a fun card on UFC 264 here. I mean, not only do you have Poirier and McGregor, but you got Gilbert Burns going up against Stephen Thompson. And Gilbert Burns, of, of course, was uh, last loss to Kamaro Usman. Uh, you got Sugar Sean O'Malley going up against Chris Moutinho, a, a, a newcomer. And Sugar Sean O'Malley, he's a very entertaining fighter. It's going to be a good main card here. And with Conor McGregor, I saw that press conference last night. And the reason that I wanted to play this for you is because this could be, and in my opinion will be, the last time we see a McGregor like this. A McGregor who has this much irrational confidence. Because in the first matchup, McGregor knocked him out. Justin Diamond Poirier, one of the better UFC fighters that we've seen, one of the most winningest UFC fighters in history. He has a 27 and 6 record. You compare that to McGregor who has a 22 and 5 record. But I heard this last night and he got he got knocked out the last time. It was a body shot that sent him to the floor and then Poirier ended up grounding and pounding him and then the fight was over. Done. And he was more respectful in that press conference leading up to the fight, even after he beat him. But this time, just listen to McGregor here. I mean, this dude really knows how to sell it, but there's so much irrational confidence there. My mindset, I'm back on the building sites now. I've a hard hat, a high vis, and two hammers in me hands. That's my mindset. I'm not relishing in all me past accomplishments, all the money I've got in me bank, all the Forbes accomplishments, all that. That's all, and I don't care about that. I'm back on the sites in a high vis with two hammers on me hands. <laughs> and, and he is out there in a purple suit. He's got the sunglasses on. And, you know, you may be thinking, like, Steve, what are you talking about? Irrational confidence. He's one of the best fighters that we've seen and would kick your ass, no doubt. Well, yeah, of course. But after he got knocked out by the dude who's sitting across from him and is still saying stuff like this, like Chad Ochocinco, who has created this new lane for himself where now he's involved within the betting world. Hey, um, this question for Connor. This Ochocinco would be our betting a um, quick question. Myself and the entire BR betting family, we rocking with you Saturday night. And I want to hear from your mouth. Are you a lock? I'm a lock, a cert. I'm going to kill this man. <laughs> 
and then and, and and here are the next two that I want to play for you. I mean, I'm I'm just I'm so excited. I, I know he's just doing it for show. He's just trying to sell the fight. He's just trying to make his money because that's what he's doing. And even one of the questions toward the end of the press conference was, "How quickly do you expect to become a billionaire?" And he says he's 32 years old now, about to turn 33. Expects to be a billionaire by the time he's 35. And there could be another fight on the horizon with McGregor and Nate Diaz, which is always fun because those two have a tough time uh, getting knocked down. But hearing that yesterday, and, and also just see it, Ocho Cinco, he's got this, he's carved out this new avenue where he is now just going to all these events, interviewing guys, asking questions, also taking part in the prelim or whatever you wanted to call that uh, with between uh, Logan Paul and Floyd Mayweather. But hearing Conor McGregor yesterday and seeing that, I couldn't help but watch and just think, man, we have seen the best of this dude, and he has been so entertaining at these press conferences and also within the octagon. He has been one of the best. But just hearing this yesterday, I'm thinking, man, I'm going to miss this guy, this guy, if he does lose. And quite frankly, I do think he's going to. Um, you know, it's going to be a good matchup. But what made me convinced yesterday that Poirier is really taking this serious. He's not just doing this for show, and he's not that type of dude. He's not the type of guy um, who's going to just do it for the money. He's doing it because, well, I mean, the money is definitely a part of it, but he's also doing it because he is a natural-born mixed martial artist. And hearing this yesterday, I mean, this is the difference between the two. Listen to the contrast between these two fighters. Win or lose, do you respect Dustin Poirier no matter what happens on Saturday night? I don't give a f- about him, to be honest. I don't give a rat's ass about him. He's Busta Douglas. He's Busta Douglas is what he is. And that's the way he's going to go down. He's going to be known for that. It was a fluke win, and I'm going to correct it on Saturday night. Dustin, the same question for you. Because you, Do you respect him as a fighter despite all of the antics? I do. You know, I don't hate anybody up here. I'm at a different place mentally, man. Respect to him and everything he's done. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, listen to that. Listen to that. And he's calling him Buster Douglas. It's not exactly Buster Douglas when he has 27 UFC wins and he's number one, second to Israel Adesanya, the style bender. <laughs> it's like calling him Buster Douglas. There's a lot of disrespect there. I understand what he was going for, but it, it's not exactly factual. Not necessarily a good uh, comparison there. He's not a, he's not one of the biggest underdogs that we've seen in going for the win against Mike Tyson. It's not exactly that with Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier. No, it's not Buster Douglas versus Mike Tyson. <laughs> oh, man. But there's a couple more that I want to play for you. This one just convinced me. Like, McGregor, once he was doing all this talking, you could see Poirier was getting so frustrated with it. And... This is the point where Poirier just had to interrupt, even though a majority of the questions were pointed towards Connor. Connor, in the build-up to the last fight, you were unusually kind to Dustin. Now on fight week, it's the exact opposite. So when did that switch happen? Because he got knocked the f*** out. You want to know? You want to know how to shut a guy up? It's just simply by saying, yeah, he got knocked out last time. Got knocked the F out. Don't even let him answer this question. McGregor had nothing to say to that. He had no retort because it's true. Because it's true. 
Man, I'm so looking forward to this. And here is my favorite moment. This is the moment that went viral last night. But there's a guy who, and how these press conferences, by the way, if you if you don't know how they work, they'd bring in some people um, who might be involved with media, like Ocho Cinco with BR betting, and um, there was a guy from Barstool Sports on there, and just some other random people. And you know, sometimes they don't always ask the best questions. But this dude walked up to the microphone in this pink jacket with a pink shirt. And this is what he had to say to McGregor. You have won exactly one fight since Barack Obama was president. To a place where time doesn't exist six months ago. We want to know why should anyone expect anything different on Saturday? It's one more, it's Look, one more fight I won than your little ass, your little pad. Why should we expect anything different on Saturday? Connor, in all sincerity, why would it be any different on Saturday? He said he's just putting his hammers on, his hard at it. My boots been strapped for the last 10 years. I've been working my ass off. For- Thank you. <laughs> it's like, uh, he was probably planted there just to try and sell the fight even more, but Conor McGregor looked legitimately frustrated. I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be a fun main card. I mean, it, it, and then you got these two guys, Ty Tuivasa and Greg Hardy, both a couple of heavyweights. Greg Hardy is a big dude. And you got the women as well. You got Irene Aldana and Yana Kunitsiaka. Excuse me, Kunitskaya, as I always get these names mispronounced. All right, triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. Not just trying to sell the fight, but I'm just saying this could be the last time that we see a Conor McGregor like this, especially if he gets knocked out again in this third fight. Nevertheless, going to be incredibly entertaining. All right, coming up next, you're going to hear from uh, Steph Curry, who spoke at the American Century Championship over in Lake Tahoe. He had some thoughts on the offseason plans for the Warriors, and really, I don't know what to make of him. I don't even know what he said Let's try and figure it out together, all right? At 888-957-9570. Then at 545, we're going to have Langford's Long Balls, where I go through my five favorite home runs of the week before we head into the All-Star break. Stephen Langford in on the pregame show, 95.7 The Game. Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. Stephen Langford in with you. Welcome into the pregame show. 95.7 The Game leading you up until 6 o'clock. It's been a fun little show on a Friday. We had game two between... The Bucks and the Suns, and really, it looks like Suns and Four guy is going to be uh, proven right. Even though it's the Suns and Four against the Nuggets, it looks like it's going to be Suns and Four against the Bucks after what I saw last night. But hey, I mean, they got till Sunday to try and regroup. They're not playing till the 11th. I don't know if Boonholzer is going to make the correct adjustments because it just doesn't seem like he could figure anything out. You know, they try to stop him from getting the free throws because that's what bothered him last game. They ended up beating him in the free throw game. 23 overall attempts for the Bucks compared to the 14 for the Suns. But the Suns were just proven to be too much from three as they were the 
fifth team in NBA Finals history to make 20 or more three-pointers. So, going to be tough. And the Bucks. there's only been four other teams who have come down or come back from an 0-2 deficit. One of those teams being in 2016 that I don't even want to talk about. So, look. This series, to me, I just don't know what to make of it. You're going to have the McGregor and Poirier fight on Saturday. Played some of that McGregor sound uh, in the last segment. I don't know if we're going to be seeing another cocky type of McGregor uh, again if we see him lose yet again. Or maybe we will, and he'll just try and sell his fights. But again, I think that Poirier is going to beat him uh, in this main card when that happens tomorrow night. Before we get to Langford's long balls at 545, wanted to play something here from Steph Curry. We've been hearing, you know, from Bob Myers, uh, Joe Lacob even, these insiders who feel like they're in the know. And when it comes to these picks at 7 and 14, across the board, it feels like they're going to be keeping these picks. There was a suggestion I saw the other day where they're creating scenarios where they could possibly move up to number one to get Cade Cunningham. I don't think that's going to be happening. But we haven't heard from Steph Curry. And Steph Curry at the, uh, I believe it's the American Century Championship over there in Lake Tahoe right now where it's it's just, I'd love to be there personally. I'd love to be hanging around, you you know, on the practice putting green next to Steph or Aaron Rodgers or Justin Timberlake or Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes. I'd love to I I'd love to golf in this thing, even though I'll never have the opportunity. But Steph Curry spoke about picks seven and fourteen, and here's what he had to say about those two. Still a lot to kind of figure out. I know with seven and fourteen there's probably gonna be some legit talent there that uh if it's the best player in the right fit, like of course they could, you know, make an impact and be ready right away to play some significant minutes and then hopefully get better throughout the season to be ready for a potential playoff run. But you got a lot of different talent the guys and you don't know how that one through six goes and how things change really quickly so you know i always love to get my input and be a part of that process but you know as it stands right now i don't think we've had any guys within that top one through 14 even come out to the bay to work out yet so it's just a lot a lot of moving parts and pieces and things can change really quickly i have i i don't think he even knows what they're going to be doing with these picks right about now i don't think he knows and, and and that's going to be the biggest difference to me uh, with these matchups or with these uh, with these draft picks is that we didn't see it last year where they could work these guys out in person where a lot of it had to be done over Zoom and, and that was the biggest thing whenever we had Kirk Lakeup on the assistant GM or uh, Bob Myers whenever they were talking about it they said the toughest thing was. We've been able to video chat with these guys and maybe get to know them a little bit, but we haven't been able to work them out in person and see if they could be the best fit uh, athletically for this team. And and so, you know, there's some uncertainty there, and, and, and I do think this draft can be a little different, and they'll be a little more thorough when it comes to picking these guys at 7-14. and 14. And, I mean, they had the second overall pick, and it seemed like the obvious choice last season uh, was going to be James Wiseman if – whoever was going to be taken at number one overall, whether it be Anthony Edwards or LaMelo Ball. It seemed like James Wiseman was a consensus pick. Uh, but Steph Curry continued and just talked about the position that they're in with the 7th and the 14th. It's a great position to be in, knowing how we're trying to retool and the level that we're trying to get back to. We do have a lot to work with, with potential picks. 
guys coming back, hopefully enticing some free agents to come out to the Bay and be a part of a winning organization, how we do things. So I know nothing really happens till after the finals and, and you really get down to what are we really trying to do? What do we need? I know we're staying patient. I've talked to Bob, I've talked to Joe, I've talked to Coach Kerr over the last couple of weeks and things are fluid, let's put it that way. It's just a matter of trying to put the best team out there. And I know we're all committed to doing that. This is the quote that made its rounds yesterday on social media among, among the Warriors fan base. And when he says the situation's fluid, I don't know what that means. <laughs> you know, they're just they're just running along with it. I, I don't know what the situation is fluid actually means. I don't think they're going to be making some sort of big trade. There's a possibility that they can move up in the draft if there's a suitor there within the top five who just happens to like a player more if they do move back uh, to the 7th and the 14th pick. I'd be okay with that, but I don't see any big move being made for a superstar, for a big-name player, not only because of the luxury tax, but because, and Bob Meyer spoke to this yesterday, it's because they don't know what they have with Clay coming back on the court. It, 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 they, they they knew what they were getting this season, but it was a different team. You know, you had Kelly Oubre there. You had James Wiseman, who was starting at center. You were without Steph Curry for a few games, but they don't know what it's going to look like with Andrew Wiggins and Clay on the floor. Andrew Wiggins they're paying a ton of money to. He's one of the four players up there with Steph, Dre, and Clay, who has a max contract, and they don't even know what Andrew Wiggins looks like on the floor with Clay yet. And I don't think they're going to want to make any snap judgments just in case because still you do have a couple of years left on both Clay and Dre's deal, so you have the chance to be patient for a season. And we'll see what happens there. I don't think they're going to make any sort of big moves. It looks like they're confident in what Wiseman can bring. And the reason I'm mentioning all these guys is because they package them with these picks in order to make some sort of big move. And I don't see that happening uh, this year. And this is the last one from Steph, and I totally agree with him on this, but the term asterisk is always brought up whenever there's a ton of injuries. And I hate that. I hate the fact that, you know, it's an asterisk championship just because of all the injuries. Look, if you win, you win. That's it. If you win, you win. And if you want to say it's an asterisk championship, I dare you to go up to whichever player is on the team, and I think it's going to be the Suns this year, I dare you to go up to Chris Paul and say, hey, I put an asterisk on your championship. You have an asterisk written down in my book, and then he's just going to show you his ring and say, well, there's an asterisk with that. (laughs) But Steph Curry spoke about that yesterday uh, at the American Century Championship. Every year there's injuries and things that change fast, but you know, Milwaukee and Phoenix have played amazing throughout the playoffs, so... You go through the, the years. I hate when people try to bring up asterisks and all that type of stuff. It's, you know, who's, who can sustain themselves through a playoff run and can be the last team standing. So, you know, it's going to be fun to watch these, you know, these next potential six games. And the best part about it is whoever the champ is, it's new blood, like, like says said, and it's, it's great. And then powerhouses, we got to come back and try to get back to the top, knock them off next year. So I'm looking forward to that challenge. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun next season. It is interesting. It is interesting when you when you read about um, the Suns and their chances next season. Because whenever I was reading any preview I was reading for the Suns and the Bucks in the finals, any preview, they said, you know, the Suns, they have a shot this year, but next year you're going to see the Lakers coming back. 
and you're going to see the Warriors coming back. The Warriors are always at the top of this list. So even though we may think as the fan base that they're far away nationally, I don't think I don't think that's the case. I really don't. I think nationally, a lot of people think the Warriors are going to be right back within the top five of the Western Conference going into next season. That's interesting to me. That is. All right. You heard from Steph Curry. You've heard from Conor McGregor. We've talked Suns Bucks. But now it's 546. I'm about a minute late. But it is time for Langford's Long Balls. What is Langford's Long Balls, do you say? You're in your car. You're at 545 in the morning. I mean, if you do get into your car every Friday at 5.45 in the morning, you either tune in or you tune out. It's either one or the other. But what it is every Friday is I go through my five favorite home runs of the week because we're in the era of the three true outcomes of baseball. And what gets lost in all the home runs that are hit over the past weeks is that there are actually some pretty cool ones in there. So let's start off with number five for me on my list of Langford's Long Balls. This, is, this guy has been a consistent contributor on this list, and he did it yet again against the Dodgers. Who deals a 2-0 pitch, and this one is sent in the air to deep right field. Jazz into the upper deck! Good morning! Jazz Chisholm, the rookie for the Marlins. He is fantastic. Now, the Dodgers ended up winning 6-1, and that proved to be the Marlins' only run in yesterday's loss. But Jazz Chisholm has turned into one of my favorite players. He's really smooth with the glove up the middle, whether it's second base or shortstop. He's from the Bahamas. He's inspiring a lot of young kids, and he has a lot of fun playing baseball. Has a lot of fun. And not only that, it's the swing. It's the swing. I'm not saying it's Ken Griffey-esque, but I'm saying that uppercut that he has where it's a low pitch and he gets a hold of one and it's his follow through he ends it with one hand with the with the bat back all the way behind uh, uh, with his arm fully extended with it all the way back toward the bat- uh, the back of the batter's box he's got one arm following it you can tell he's got a little Ken Griffey Jr. in his swing, and he followed him uh, when he was younger. I thought uh, I thought that was a really cool home run that was hit yesterday. Jazz Chisholm, if you haven't figured it out, he is one of the best in the league and one of the best young stars that you're going to be seeing in the future as long as he gets to a better team other than Miami where he'll get some notoriety. All right, number four on my list of Langford's long balls. You want to talk about an unexpected player who continues to make this list time and time again? Well, look no further than here in the Bay. The ball is hit deep. Left center field. Way back there. Adios! Pelota! And that is the first home run in a while for Austin Slater. And it has to feel oh so good. The projected distance on that one, how about 482 feet? And the Giants have gone ahead 6-5. to five. Now listen to this. This is amazing. That was on July 3rd. And at that point, he was one of six hitters with multiple 460 feet home runs this season, along with Ronald Acuna Jr., (laughs) Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Fernando Tatis Jr., Mike Zunino, and Trevor Story. All guys with a lot of power. 
But then, Austin Slater, the next day, hits another one over 460 feet, and he became the only player in baseball with three home runs that are 460 feet or more. Put Austin Slater in the home run derby. He may not be hitting that well this year. He may come in in pinch hit situations, but he hits with a lot of power. <laughs> it's, it's, it's unbelievable what Austin Slater does with the bat because you don't expect it. You know he's a he's a he's a pinch hitter type of guy, uh, you know a, 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 a platoon outfielder who can give you some good at bats versus lefties. But Austin Slater, the only player with three home runs with four of uh, four hundred sixty feet or more, and that one four hundred and eighty two feet. Are you kidding me, Austin Slater? That's good enough for number four on Langford's long balls. If that's number four, well then damn, what's number three? Huh. Brad Miller from the Cardinals yesterday. He hit three home runs himself. Oh, my gosh. He crushes it to right field. It's a three-home run game. Off the lineup on the scoreboard. They better get a third homer hat. Brad Miller is living his best life. Another two-run home run, and the Phillies lead it 6 nothing. And he did that against the Cubs, uh, for the Phillies against the Cubs. Am I bad? I accidentally said the Cardinals, but he was previously on the Cardinals. Um, he's been he's been around. He's 31 years old. He's played for Seattle. He's played for Tampa Bay. He's played for the Brewers. He's played for Cleveland. He's played for St. Louis. And now, most recently, he is on the Phillies. But whenever you get the three home runs, and not only that, but it was in the upper deck. You heard the commentator there. That one was off the scoreboard. <laughs> off the scoreboard. Brad Miller, that's good enough to get number three on Langford's long balls. All right. Number two on this list, it originally was going to be number one, but the list got shaken up last night in that Padres matchup. So we got a new number one here, but number two on this list, I think you can all guess it's Shohei Otani. The next 2 2 home. Oh, he's going to get to jog around the bases. He did it again. He's a beast. There really is no one like him. You foul it off your front foot, you foul it off your back knee, and what do you do? You say, you'll have to take that little casual jog, and he rockets that one out. And that was the home run to break the record for the most home runs hit by a Japanese-born baseball player, breaking Hideki Matsui's record, and that was number 32 on the season. It feels like it's not only just the home, the, the amount of home runs, it's not just the quantity, but it's the quality. Every single home run, the crack of the bat is unlike anything in baseball. And then on top of it, you got Matt Vaskersia doing this. Now, Matt Vaskersia on Sunday Night Baseball, whenever you know the Yankees or the Red Sox were playing, it didn't matter. He'd get excited for whichever team. But now that he's doing the home games for the Angels. The next 2-2 home. Oh, he's going to get to jog around the bases. He did it again. He's a beast. There really is no one like him. You foul it off your front foot, you foul it off your back knee, and what do you do? You say, you'll have to take that little casual jog, and he rockets that one out. <laughs> there really is no one like him. And I'm seeing a lot of the Babe Ruth comparisons, and, and, and I understand that. But he's starting to get up there because he is almost playing damn near two different sports. He is playing one. And you're thinking, Stephen, what are you saying? That's stupid. What are you, an idiot? But look... It's two completely different skill sets. Being a pitcher 
and being a batter. It doesn't even feel like sometimes they're playing the same sport, even though they are. I'm almost putting them up there with, like, Deion Sanders types. Like, they are that athletic. And not only that, he can run. He can run with speed. The length of his strides and how quickly he can get around the bases, just if you if you don't want to tune into this, look it up. Look up Shohei Otani running from first to third. It is unbelievable how athletic this dude is. And he just has fun playing baseball. He just has fun. And, and, and you respect that in any sort of player. All right. That was going to be number one on this list. That was going to be number one. But something happened yesterday in this game with San Diego. I don't know how it happened, but Daniel Camarena, he got called up from El Paso, and he became the first relief pitcher in 19, since 1985 to hit a Grand Slam. Camarena to deep right field! Camarena plays in San Diego! Are you kidding me? The Padres pitcher that just brought up from El Paso, the San Diego kid! To the grand slam! It's unbelievable! Oh, you'd think when Max Scherzer is pitching for the Nationals, I'm sort of bringing out my Howard Cosell out of nowhere. But when you think Matt Scherzer is pitching for the Nationals, and you go up with an 8 nothing lead, that's enough of a cushion to, to give the Nationals the win, right? It's got, it's got to be enough. You give them eight runs, all right, we've done our job. Hey, Scherzer, how about you go out there and do your job? Well, when they were down 8-3 to three and they cut the deficit to 8-3, to three, this reliever, Daniel Camarena, comes up and hits the grand slam to make it 8-7. to seven. And in the end, the Padres won this game 9-8. to 9-8. to eight. And it's, that's just crazy to me. That's crazy. And seeing that last night, because this happened, by the way, at the exact same time that Pat Connaughton ruined any momentum that the Bucks had in that game. Because Pat Connaughton just turned the ball over, missed a wide-open P.J. Tucker in the corner. Instead of turning a good shot into a great shot, he just took a okay shot with a defender closing in on him, misses the three, then the Suns go back, score, then they close out the game. But at the exact same time, this is what Camarena did. And I don't know if people were paying attention. Camarena to deep right field! Camarena plays in San Diego! Are you kidding me? The Padres pitcher that just brought up from El Paso, the San Diego kid, set a grand slam! It's unbelievable! That's so cool. That's so cool. I, I can't I can't get enough of that. And the coolest part about it for for me, uh, I, I mean, the parents and seeing their reaction. You know, you're going out there to see your son pitch, and you get called up. He's going to be some bullpen help. Comes in in an eight nothing eight nothing game. It's meaningless. You'd think that you're seeing there, oh man, this first game that your son's playing, we're here, we're enjoying this one, we're at home, we're in San Diego, and we're watching this, we're, we're watching an 8 nothing matchup, alright, they got Scherzer pitching, there's not much of a chance, let's just hope that our son can get out of there with a hold, right? But... He hits a grand slam in this game, and I I can't play it for the I can't play it on the radio because it doesn't translate to radio. But the look on his parents' faces, I can only imagine. I can only imagine. It's got to be just as good a feeling being a parent seeing your son do that as opposed to the actual player doing that. 
So that's the list of Langford's long balls. Number five was Jazz Chisholm, who's proving to be one of the more fun players in baseball. Number four was uh, Austin Slater, who is the only player in baseball to hit three home runs with a, a distance of 460 or more feet. He hit one 482 on July 3rd against the Diamondbacks. Number three was going to be Brad Miller, who hit three home runs in one game yesterday for the Phillies. Number two, Shohei Otani. And number one was Daniel Camarena. Man, it's going to be a fun weekend in sports. It's going to be a fun weekend. We got to wait till Sunday to get uh, to get Game Three uh, with the with the Bucks and the Suns. I don't know how much longer that that series is going to be na- uh, lasting, but you do have the Giants and the Nationals tonight. You got Paolo Espino, who's two and two with a two point four eight ERA, going up against Logan Webb with a four and three record, three point eight six ERA. And this is going to be the sad part about tonight is they are debuting the City Edition jerseys, or the, excuse me, the City Connect jerseys. Pardon my French, I totally forgot which one they were going with because there's a City Edition with the, with the NBA and the City Connect jerseys uh, with, uh, with Major League Baseball, but they're debuting the City Connect jerseys, and that's going to be all the talk. That's going to be it. That's going to be all the talk is going to be the City Connect jerseys. No one's going to focus about the game. Not talking about the game. Y'all talking about jerseys. Talking about jerseys. Plus, you got the A's and the Rangers tonight. You got Cole Irvin uh, on the mound against Jordan Lyles for the Rangers, and the A's need it after they ended up getting the win yesterday, two to one in the afternoon against the Astros. But they won the first two, and it's crucial if they want to stay within the AL West and go atop the AL West, which I do expect them to do when it comes to the second half of the season. All right, been a fun show today. I hope everyone has a great weekend. The UFC 264, you're going to have the Euro final between England and Italy on Sunday at noon, and I can't wait for that. Mark Spears is going to be coming up at 7.20, and then Ryan Rucco at 8.50 for the morning roast with Bonte Hill, Kate Scott, and Joe the Butcher Boy Shasky. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. Tune in to the... We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.